You are the pitching coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. And in this strange, unprecedented 2020 season, you worked with 28 pitchers in a 60-game season. Some did well, some didn't. But a handful of pitchers with little or no previous Major League experience definitely left an impression and are definitely in the plans going forward. Another good breaking ball, and he strikes out the first battery faces in the big leagues. Could be the end of the night for Nate Pearson, and if it is, what a job this young man has done in his Major League debut. Let's find out what kind of roles you think may suit them best for 2021 and beyond. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. We're going to see a Major League debut of a fine young pitching prospect. 25-year-old Thomas Hatch. He was originally drafted in the third round by the Chicago Cubs. The Blue Jays got him in a trade last summer. Changeup. What a good one. And he got Lau swinging. Two down. First big league strikeout. One of the best hitters in the game. The all-star Brandon Lau. And boy, they set this changeup up perfectly. You can see Pete Walker has been the Blue Jays pitching coach for the last eight seasons. So he has seen a lot of guys come and go during that time. But this year, I got to believe that Pete's as excited as he has ever been about some of the young arms who pitched for the Blue Jays this season. Pete, thanks for doing this. I know you'd rather still be competing, but you're back home. Are you rested up and feeling good right now? <laughs> yeah, it's been a been a long season, Dan, in a lot of ways, even though it was 60 games and plus a couple postseason games. It felt like 162 for sure. Just a, a crazy season for us. Disappointed that we're not still playing and have to watch the postseason. But I think, like you said, there's a lot of young guys and a lot of impact players uh, that got their feet wet this year that are going to help us in the future for sure. So really excited about that. Now that you're out of it and the season is over, I mean, was it a little more challenging, just the day-to-day -day logistics, a little more challenging sometimes than you guys wanted to let on in the moment to us in the media? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't easy for sure. I mean, obviously in a shortened season and the issues that pop up throughout the course of the season, you know, it's challenging. Obviously we're in, in somewhat of a bubble and isolating and, and quarantining at times and testing every day. And, you know, it, it doesn't make for an easy process, but the guys handled it great. I mean, the players were awesome. The coaching staff was really great. We just kind of grew to understand why we were doing it and the need to do it. And we were successful doing it. So, you know, when you look at the last 45 days of the season or whatever it was, I don't think there was a single positive test. And for our team, especially, I think we did an outstanding job from top to bottom. Uh, setting up the season to be and, and you know, obviously being in Buffalo and all the things that the organization did to, to make it comfortable for the guys. I mean, you can't say enough. So looking back at it, obviously it was a, a challenge, but everybody responded and, and made it as easy as possible. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the pitchers that you dealt with, some of the young guys. There's so much talk about the young position player core, obviously, for the team, and, and, and rightly right. so. You know, big names and big futures and all that. But if this team is going to go from good and interesting to great and contending, obviously the pitchers have to get in, in lockstep with the hitters. And you had a lot of really interesting young arms, I thought, that either showed up or showed a little bit more this year than they had in the past. And so if, if you're good with it, I, I just want to run through them and, and hear, you know, hear what sure. you like about them and hear where you may see them. So I remember back in summer camp, you were doing a Zoom call and I was sitting there. I can't remember if I was at home or at the ballpark. It doesn't matter. You were doing a Zoom call and somebody asked about Thomas Hatch. Yeah. And I wrote down what you said about him. You said he's got sneaky good stuff, you know, meaning like when when we see this guy, people are going to go, wow, like I didn't realize there was that much there. 
and that was the case. And he may have hit a little bit of a wall at some point during the season, but um, he was a guy who I think really left an impression on people, and I'm sure did on you. Tell us what you saw from Thomas Hatch and kind of what you see from him going forward. What kind of a role you see him in? And the inning is over. So for the first time in his big league career, Thomas Hatch gives up a hit, but it's immediately erased on a double play, and he gets a pop-up on the next pitch. Man, this kid is impressive early. Yeah, I mean, he is he's a special pitcher. Uh, you know, getting him from Chicago, uh, I still can't believe we, we got him <laughs> in the way we did. So very excited to have him when I first laid eyes on him in spring training. You know, it was exciting to watch, just watching his the way he uh, carried himself in a bullpen setting. The stuff was explosive. The delivery was consistent and smooth. He could locate the, the fastball to, to any any spot in the zone. He could spin the ball. His changeup seemed outstanding. I, I was just trying to figure out how this guy fell into our lap. But, you know, our organization did a great job scouting to pick him up and, uh, you know, in that trade. So, obviously, the initial impression was awesome. And I was really excited to watch him pitch this year. And, and he just has a, a easy way about him, too. I mean, he's, he's, he doesn't get rattled. Keeps his composure, as we saw throughout a shortened major league season. And he's a competitor. He's mm-hmm. a quiet competitor. And I, I did. I, I think initially you get a good first impression, and it really carried through. So he made some great strides, got his feet wet this year, like I said. And, and he's a guy that can definitely impact this rotation uh, moving forward. And, and I expect big things from him. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Some guys, and there's no science behind this, some guys look like starters, some guys look like relievers. He looks like yeah. a starter to me, and he's got three yeah. good pitches. So do you think he can be a major league starter, and do you think he could do it next year, or or would he have to go to AAA if there is a minor league season and kind of get back in the groove of starting before he could impact a major league rotation? Yeah, we're still putting everything together for next year, obviously. Um, you know, thinking uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of discussions on the amount of innings guys got and how they can best be put in a good situation next year to succeed and to, and to stay healthy all year. So, I mean, across baseball, it's going to be interesting the approaches that teams have going into next season and how they utilize young pitchers based on this season and the, the limited amount of innings. So, but he is certainly a guy that could start at the major league level. I mean, I think we envision that right from the get-go uh, based on his stuff. And then seeing him perform at the major league level this year, you realize he's not scared and, and he has the stuff to compete and pitch at the major league level. So with his arsenal, we project him as a starter. And, you know, could he help in the bullpen again? Yeah, absolutely. But thinking about it moving forward, you know, getting him back into a starter routine to see what he can do is, is probably best for his career and, and for us right now. You know, this is a, a separate question, but you just made me think of something. With limited innings, as you said, you got to be careful with guys going forward. You can't go from 50 innings to 180 innings. If you got a vote, would you be in favor of expanded rosters again next year just to, you know, make it a little bit easier for pitchers to transition back to a full season? I always want more pitchers. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'd, I definitely would vote for that. Um, you know, I think that's something that will be discussed. Uh, you know, I don't know where it will end up, but to have a, a couple extra arms down there would be great. I think it would protect guys and, and maybe transition for the following year, you know, to get right. guys in a better position for 2022. So, you know, that's something that will be debated, I'm sure, And but I'm, I'm in favor of it. The extra arms would be beneficial uh, to protect guys, I, I believe. Uh, but if not, yeah, we got to be creative again and find ways to transition these guys to the following year, you know, mm-hmm. and make sure that they can stay healthy next year. And again, that's that's across baseball. And there are guys that have consistently thrown 180, 200 innings in, in baseball that are all of a sudden throwing 50, 60 innings this year. So you wonder how that'll impact them as well. 
Absolutely. All right, Anthony Kay, another guy who had a great start to the season and then maybe hit a wall. It's a different routine for a guy who's been a starter to work as a reliever, and he eventually got uh, sent out to the alternate training site. But we saw in the first half of the year real potential for him as he worked out of the bullpen. What did you see from him, and what's the next step for Anthony Kay to solidify himself as a big leaguer? Coming in again, and he got him. 96, strike three called. What a nice job by Anthony Kay. Two outstanding innings tonight. Yeah, I, I, we love Anthony too. Um, obviously, he's a UConn guy, uh, and I like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's a husky. so if it comes down to him and another guy for the last spot on the staff, what you're saying is he gets the job, <laughs> and everybody knows it, and everybody knows it on our staff too. Yeah. So, uh, no, he's he's great. You know, I think all these guys, it, it was not easy to do what they did this year. Just first and foremost, you know, they're used to starting, they're used to having a routine, and we we kind of transitioned them quickly into the major league uh, bullpen, and they all performed very well and took to it. But, yeah, he's another guy that we see as a starter. He can pitch, and we saw that last year as well when he first came up to us. It was a little different this year pitching out of the pen. He, he certainly showed more power. I mean, his fastball is up to 96 miles an hour at times. So he has the stuff to do it. His breaking stuff is still a little bit of a work in progress. We're trying to get that delivery sound. But he's another guy that can be a major league starter, and we envision that. So – you know, he can pitch effectively to right-handers. He pitches inside extremely well against good right-handed hitters, which we saw last year. And then, of course, this year, too, it in spurts out of the bullpen. But, you know, we got him in that Stroman deal, and, and you know, I couldn't be happier to have him. He's definitely another guy that could be an impact starting pitcher. So extremely excited to, to watch him, you know, coming into next season. He, you know, again, he'll compete for a starting spot, I'm sure, and we'll go from there. And the funny thing is, so the next lefty I want to ask you about was a starter two years ago and always wanted to be a starter. And then you throw Ryan Barucki out in the bullpen. And at times this year, the stuff was electric, like overpowering at times. And again, like everybody else, maybe he hit a bit of a wall. His command eluded him for a while, but it looked like he got it back near the end of the year. And Ross Atkins was the first to say it. I mean, very publicly, he said at this point, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said it's most likely that Ryan Barucki stays in the bullpen. So tell us why that's the direction the organization looks like it's going with Barucki. And is Ryan on board with being kind of a power lefty out of the bullpen? The 0-2 pitch. Breaking ball swung on and missed. He struck him out. Slider in on the hands. Defensive swing from Devers. And Ryan Barucki throws a hitless bottom of the fourth inning. Yeah, I think so. And and he's, you know, obviously there's still the party that just would love to see him start at the major league level and, and pitch over an entire season. But, you know, his, his health history has kind of kept him from doing that. And we did find a, a good role for him this year where he could potentially run with it and pitch a number of years in the big leagues doing that. And I do think he liked it. And he responded well to it. And his stuff ticked up. You know, he was up to, I think he topped out at 97. So, mm -hmm. you know, his we improved his slider to more of a, a cutter action, and it was really effective to both lefties and righties. He can locate the fastball with power. So I, I think he's found his niche, to be honest with you. I wouldn't rule out starting for Ryan down the road, but for right now, with some of the depth starters we have and also the fit where he fits really nicely into that bullpen, giving us a power lefty, you know, I, I just think he's found his niche with us right now, and I know he enjoyed it, and I think he's going to really flourish in that role. So as Buck and I would do games, and we would watch Hunjin Ryu throw left-on-left changeups, as a left-handed pitcher throw changeups to left-handed batters, 
Buck loved it. Now, this is Hunjin Ryu, right? This is a this is a mature, fully developed, you know, a, a guy who's been around a long time and he knows exactly what he's doing. And Buck would, you know, be one step short of begging on air for Anthony Kay and Ryan Barucki to throw left-on-left changeup so it would give them another weapon. And, and a lot of left-handed pitchers, as you well know, don't like doing it. They think down and in is kind of the happy zone for left-handed batters. Where are you on left-on-left changeups, especially for younger guys like Kay and Barucki? No, that's a great question. It's something we do encourage and we'll continue to promote within. Even right-on-right changeups, left-on-left changeups, we find them to be very effective. The numbers don't lie. So we do encourage it and we will continue to encourage it and get these guys to use it. They did use it at times, but not enough. Hinjin Ryu was fantastic with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's more or less coming out of the bullpen. Some of these guys, they saw their power climb a little bit. And all of a sudden, it was a little bit easier to get guys out with their fastball than they found as a starter. Whereas starters, they obviously had to utilize their changeup more. But in shorter stints out of the bullpen, you're a little less inclined to use that changeup, you know, when you're throwing 95, 96, 97. So I think that's where they got caught up with the fastball. But they both have effective changeups and can certainly use that left on left. So we encourage it and we will continue to encourage that to get outs. But he, Buck's right. And, you know, uh, Buck isn't always right, but Buck was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Buck's great. I love Buck, but I agree with him on that. So we'll continue to look at that. For sure. <laughs> Next guy up, one of the most interesting guys to me. We talk about a guy who looks like a starter, but we also talk about a guy who's got a health history, and that's Julian Merriweather. So I don't know uh, how freely you can speak about the severity of the elbow issue that sidelined him at the end of the year, but you didn't have to see much to go, wow, this guy can really help. And he threw a much better one, and he strikes out the first batter that he faces in the major leagues. To the bottom of the fourth, Blue Jays coming up. What do you hope for out of Merriweather going forward? Well, there's another guy. I remember watching him throw uh, his first side, you know, seeing him throw in the bullpen before the season and just being, like, blown away by his delivery, by his his command, by his stuff. And you just know it's there. So, you know, obviously seeing him get to the big leagues this year was great. He's, he's worked really hard through a lot of, uh, you know, adverse situations with his health. Uh, but he's gotten to the point where he was able to compete at the major league level. And then ran into another little stumbling block, you know, but he's basically going to be down for just a little bit. He tried to get him to come back at the end for the postseason. It just didn't quite work out. He was close, but he'll be back on a throwing program soon. And, and you know, all indications are he should be ready to go for spring training in a normal situation. So very encouraged about his health right now. Disappointed that we couldn't utilize him more down the stretch. You know, I know he was too, but Again, it was a, a situation where, you know, he was a, kind of in a routine and we brought him in the bullpen and, and tried to utilize him and it just didn't quite work out for him there. Doesn't mean he can't be a reliever down the road, but I still think if he gets in a good routine as a starter, he can help us out at the major league level as well. And I think everybody saw his stuff. It's just overwhelming at times, you know, and, and making really good major league hitters look bad. So he's exciting. It's really just a matter of him staying healthy and and getting to a position where he can contribute consistently at the major league level. And he will be a great success story, I'm sure. Do you like all four of his pitches? They all look like they play. Yeah, they all play. His changeup is just incredible, to be honest with you. Um, For me, it's his best pitch besides his 95 to 100 mile an hour fastball. He throws his changeup and it's literally, you know, 15, 18 miles an hour slower than his, his fastball with great arm speed. And the hitters did nothing with it. So that pitch can be thrown at any time against right-handers especially. It's effective too, so that's nice. And his breaking stuff is really good. So 
there's nothing he's really missing. It's just a matter of, of really regaining health, feeling great, and being able to go out there on a consistent basis, which is what we're all yeah. hoping for, not just Absolutely. Julian. I mean, we, we really want to see it because, again, you talk about Hatch and Kay and and some of the young guys, and, of course, Pearson I'm sure we'll talk about. But, you know, Julian is a guy that can, can impact the Major League staff as well. So, again, extremely excited about the possibilities. Just really got to get him healthy, feeling great, and, uh, you know, feeling good about where he is. Yeah, I'm saving Pearson for last, by the way. So I <laughs> we'll, that. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> no surprise. Huh? Yeah, that's fine. Um, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> TJ Zoik was off the radar. He was in Rochester, and you know other guys were getting called up, and he was late. Like you know, a bunch of other guys got called up before he did, and then he showed up and made three appearances, and they were all terrific. And you know, he's not your typical pitcher these days because he's more of the sinker, slider, two seamer, pitch to contact, that sort of thing. But did he get better? In Rochester, is there something he's doing better now than he did before? Yeah, I mean, this is interesting when you think about it. Um, you know, you look at sinker ballers over the last three, four, five years, it kind of started to disappear, right? And, and hitters, because of the launch angles and going down, hitting, handling the fastballs down in the zone better than ever, they seem to have disappeared. And they've a lot of these guys that could sink the ball is probably throwing more four seamers and pitching up in the zone. But I think what you're seeing now is hitters are starting to make the adjustment that we've we've kind of felt they would at some point. And especially with two strikes, hitters are starting to look up, get up, get on top of the ball, fight, fight those four seamers off the top of the zone. So I think the sinker ball guys are going to kind of have a resurgence. And, and it's interesting, you know, um, I think he's one of them. And you could see what it did against some pretty good teams, you know, the, the Yankees being one of them where they have like an Aaron Judge who, for me, was a, a low ball hitter. And now he's handling that ball up better than ever. So a guy like Zoit comes in and just sinks the heck out of it. And they had a lot of trouble with it. So, you know, uh, and not just them, you know, every appearance he had, you know, he's getting a ton of ground ball outs. You know, even if they hit it hard, it's on the ground and it has a chance to be defended. So he's interesting, and I think he did do a great job in Rochester. Obviously, he had a tough spring initially with us. His velocity was down a little bit, but he, he got himself right and worked on his delivery, and his stuff played. So he is very interesting moving forward, I think, especially with, you know, most of the pitchers across baseball working up up in the zone, um, I think there's room for guys like TJ now who can effectively sink the ball and get the ball on the ground. What do you think, starter or like once through the order reliever? How do you how do you look at him? Uh, he's, he's still we don't know. I mean, yeah. he, he could you know he can be a guy that can get 15 ground ball outs in a game. That, that's a starter for me that can go two or three times through the order. So I mean, you never know. But he could certainly be a, a reliever that could come in and get ground balls in key situations. But for now, again, he's going to be a starter for us. And, you know, compete for that fifth spot, I'm sure. But, mm -hmm. you know, obviously be a potential depth guy. But again, he can, he can pitch in a variety of roles. And so uh, he's, he's kind of, like I said, we don't have many guys like him right now in the organization. So he's a guy that deserves an opportunity to pitch at the major league level and, and did a nice job for us this year. So when you talk about guys who look like a starter or look like a reliever, this next guy, I mean, he's reliever 100% of the way, and that's Jordan Romano. I, I mean, it's it's <laughs> if you saw him now, you'd have a hard time believing he was ever a starting pitcher with everything that's going on with the deep yeah. knee bend and the talking to himself. and the. He is known on the internet as future closer Jordan Romano, as if future right. closer was his first name. But, you know, that's a compliment to him and the kind of year that he had before he got hurt and the kind of stuff that he has. And, and I got to believe – assuming the finger's okay and that he's going to be fine next season. I mean, he's going to be right there battling for the ninth inning job next year, I would think. And he strikes out the side, loses his cap in the process, but another great inning for Jordan Romano. 
One yeah, he was awesome. Um, you know, we saw it in spurts last year. You know, when he first came to us, and then, then of course, uh, this year he just kind of exploded on the scene and had a great spring. And we knew his stuff was there. His velocity was up. His slider was wicked. Uh, he was in great shape. He was just pounding the zone. So he could certainly pitch, as we saw, high leverage innings, uh, whether that's the seventh, eighth, or ninth, whether it's a, a multi-inning type thing where he comes in in the seventh, gets an out, pitches the eighth. On some nights he closes. You know, I don't know if we need, you know, you, you look at, I've answered this question a few times, and you look at if you have three or four guys that can pitch high leverage situations, why, you know, pigeonhole somebody to just the ninth? There's a lot of times you don't get to the ninth. And your biggest outs are, you know, in a one-run game with the bases loaded in the seventh inning. And, and who would you want out there? And Romano's a guy I'd want out there. So, you know, sometimes the ninth inning, it's, it's always difficult to close out a game. Don't get me wrong, because those last couple outs are always difficult with fans in the stands and, and trying to finish a game. But, but sometimes those are the easier parts of the order. You know, you got seven, eight, nine. You got a three-run lead as opposed to the seventh inning when it's a one-run game or a tie game and you got bases loaded and, and two outs and you want to have someone like Romano in the game. So that's kind of the way we'll approach it, you know, depending on what Ross does in the front office as far as, you know, <laughs> we go out and sign a closer. I just think we have the guys within right now to handle those roles, and, and I'm sure we'll sign, you know, we'll be looking at some exterior options as well. But I do think Jordan can handle anywhere from the sixth to the ninth inning, close games, pitch our highest leverage situations. Yeah, and the point you make is a great one. And we saw, we really saw you guys move in that direction. You know, if, if it was a more heavy righty lineup, you might see Bass. More lefty lineup, you might see Dolis. Top of the order, bottom of the order, men on base, that sort of thing. Tampa Bay does it all the time. Nick Anderson just went out in game two against the Yankees and got six outs in high leverage in the seventh and eighth, and they left the ninth for Pete Fairbanks because the seventh exactly. was when it was really hot. So is that an evolution you think you'll consider to see around the sport? Yeah, I think so. I think unless you have that 10 to 12 to $15 million closer, you know, that's really hell-bent on saves and, you know, probably, you know, it, it helps with his Hall of Fame induction, <laughs> you know, and yeah, getting right. in. Yeah. Um, but I think for the most part, relievers understand high leverage now. I think relievers understand that, you know, front offices are going to pay for the, the highest leverage situations, um, not necessarily the save. So if you're if you're pitching high leverage situations in the seventh inning, that you'll be compensated. So I, I do believe they understand that, like even this year with Dolis and Bass and, and Romano for a while. I mean, those guys were ready any time to pitch from the sixth to the ninth inning through communication and them understanding situations. That was the best way to go about it. And, and they all understood. So. It does work. I mean, it is nice to have a closer and have some guy that you know is a is a bona fide, you know, save guy, but I don't think it's completely necessary anymore. All right, Nate Pearson, how big was it just to get him back on the mound and have him throw those two innings just so that is his most recent memory heading into the offseason? But, you know, it's still the most meaningful game I've ever played in and uh, got to be on the same field as a, as a number one seed team in the Rays. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty cool for me because I, I grew up coming to games here. Uh, that's where I first like fell in love with the game and just to be able in, in this big of a uh, game time, uh, big time game, you know, just be able to be on the field was pretty special for me. Yeah. He felt great about that. Obviously, he wasn't feeling great, I guess, his last couple of outings with us uh, before he went on the, the IL, you know, and, and again, as a young kid, some, you know, you learn that you got to kind of speak up and make sure everybody's aware as well. But I think he learned a lot this year and even again, a short season, but working through some adversity again, which he's, he's done in the past, I know, but at the major league level and, and working so hard to get back and help us out in the postseason was really good for him. 
to put that behind them and to finish strong going into next year was awesome. I mean, that outing was just awesome. I mean, there's no other yeah. way to explain it. I mean, he's yeah. throwing 101 miles an hour and, and a, just a wipeout slider and, and looked so good. So, you know, it was really nice to see. And I agree with you. I think going into next year, just to have that under his belt, knowing he feels really good again and, and he can throw the ball 100 miles an hour is really good for him. At the beginning of the year, not so much in his first appearance of the season, but his second, third, and fourth, his velocity was a little down. And there's nothing wrong with 96 to 98, and and maybe that was the elbow thing, but he gave up a couple of home runs on his fastball. And I may be totally wrong here, but when a young kid with that arm, who's had that success, gets his fastball turned around for home runs, did it shy him away from his fastball? Did it, you know, he looked a little bewildered on the mound a couple of times as if like, how is this happening? Did he have to go through kind of a mental process as well to understand that, hey, this is the big leagues, but you still got to throw your fastball to a certain extent, even if they turn a couple around? No doubt. And I think that happens to every young pitcher, to be honest with you. You know, you get to the point where you get to the big leagues, especially if you're a huge prospect and I mean, you've dominated the minor leagues and you get to the major leagues and all of a sudden, you know, 97, 98 gets turned around. <laughs> it happens, especially in hitters counts. So I think he learned that and he realized that. I don't think it's unusual. You know, I don't think it made him uh, confused, but I, it certainly kind of woke him up a little bit like, oh, yeah, all right, here I am in the big leagues. Here I am in the major leagues facing some of the best hitters in the world and they can hit. So, you know, it just kind of gets you back to making pitches and understanding who you are and what you need to do. And when his velocity was down a hair, he, he tried to overthrow because he thought, you know, by throwing harder, it's going to make it better. And, and then his misses uh, became more evident, too. So. Right. It's really just about slowing the game down. But for him, I think if he felt better, you know, looking back, obviously he wasn't feeling as great as he would have liked. I think that's going to make a big difference. And, you know, I think that velocity, as we saw, you know, 97 to 101, uh, that plays. And that <laughs> that, that can dominate. Yeah. That can dominate hitters. So I, I think he's going to be great moving forward. I think it's great experience for him this year. And I think next year, you know, we expect uh, – more consistent outings and, and bigger things from him. Okay, last thing, because you've been very generous with your time here, is no uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, Alec Manoa. Obviously, two guys, big prospects. Everybody's excited about them. They were in Rochester. They were never really considerations to come up and help the big league club this year. But what do you know about what they accomplished in Rochester and, and you know where theoretically they could start in a minor league season next year? I didn't get a chance to see Manoa pitch this year, but I've seen video of him, obviously, and talked to our player development guys and the pitching coaches in the minor leagues. He's going to be a, a special pitcher as well. Simeon Woods, I did see firsthand. I love his stuff. I throw the change up anytime. can spin the ball. He's got a power fastball. He looks like he's a competitor. He throws strikes. So I, I think he's uh, – because he, I did get a chance to lay eyes on him before we broke for the season – and he, he looks like someone who can definitely help us out relatively soon. So, you know, both those guys are on the radar. Manoa, especially with his power stuff. And from what I hear, he's a, he's an <laughs> extreme competitor as well. So I don't know exactly. I wouldn't want to put a time frame on it, but I think they're, they're close. And I'm sure next spring training will be fun to watch, watch them compete and, and, and start to face major league hitters. Nice. So it's just so you know, Woods Richardson told me his goal is to be in the major leagues next year at some point. I'm sure so, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. And that's he's con he's a confident kid and, and he should be. So, yeah. you know, hey, that both those guys are gonna help out this organization and this team uh, in the very near future for sure. For sure. All right. So what do you do for the next four months till it's time to go to Dunedin? 
Uh, you know, uh, I, I actually I have a baseball convention I work on, the Mohegan Sun, in January, which will be virtual this year. But that's something I spend some time doing. Obviously, I stay in contact with our front office and our pitching coaches. I'm sure this offseason will have plenty of Zoom calls. I know we have an organizational call tomorrow on end-of-the-year stuff and, and obviously offseason plans. So that'll be taking place tomorrow. So I'm sure it'll be a lengthy call. And, you know, it, like I said, there's, there's a number of calls and, and we stay in contact. We don't just disappear for the offseason. And it's a first class group and excited to continue to stay a part of it. Yeah, well, you work hard. Everybody knows that. I can't imagine. Uh, I won't ask you to name them, but you had 28 pitchers on the staff this year. So I'm not going to ask you to name <laughs> all of them. But uh, <laughs> you, you, you have a, a complicated job and you do a great job at it. So uh, enjoy the downtime such as it is over the winter. I know you'll still be working, but enjoy some time off. And uh, hopefully by next year, everybody's actually, uh, you know, things are closer to yeah. normal. Who knows what that means? But fingers crossed that it'll, it'll be heading in that direction. Thanks for doing this, Pete. Yeah, anytime, Dan. It was a lot of fun. Well, I think it's fair to say, objectively fair to say, that the Blue Jays have more potential high-end arms now than they've had in the last few years. Not all of them will pan out, but there are certainly a lot of them at the minor league level and already at the major league level who, if they can stay healthy, can definitely be contributors for this team and help the Blue Jays move closer to being a contender. Our thanks to Pete Walker for spending so much time with us and to Christian Ryan for producing this episode of A Swing and a Belt. Until next time, I'm Dan Schulman.